Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. This episode, we're talking about borrowing and lending from friends and family. According to the Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey, 25.6 million people borrowed from friends and family this year. That's up from 19 million just a year ago. So here's the question. If a friend or family member comes to you for money, are you gonna give it to them? It's been an issue for hundreds of years. If you don't believe me, listen to this line from Shakespeare's Hamlet. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loan oft loses both itself and friend. And it's absolutely true. A bank rate survey found that nearly half of those who lend money to friends and family say it does not end well. So when you're approached, or maybe you're about to approach someone else, what's the right way to do it? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host is financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacey. Our show editor is Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hello, everybody. And our special guest this week, and I mean special, is Lynette Calfani-Cox, also known as America's Money Coach. Hello, Lynette. Hi there. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming <laughs> aboard. Now, before we start, guys, remember this is not financial advice you're going to hear today, so make sure you do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything that you learn here. But with that, let's dive in. You got to. You want to start off the discussion, Miranda? Sure. <laughs> so let's just start out with what are some of the ways that people lend money to their family and friends? What are some of the things that you can do to get into trouble? I mean, we know we know about like giving cash, but uh, have you ever seen people like giving credit cards to their family and friends? Like, <laughs> like what do you see? What's some of the wild things that you see out there? So. People lend to family members, um, loved ones, um, sometimes even partners um, and or spouses um, in a whole variety of ways. So, yes, there are um, cash contributions that are made that are intended to be repaid. Um, but like you, mm-hmm. you know, guys kind of laid the stage for um, at the top here. A lot of people regret it because it doesn't get paid back. Um, but people co-sign for others. And they do sort of lend their credit. People mm. add uh, other uh, people as additional users on credit accounts, like their credit cards. Some people fork over money to start business ventures or to um, launch startups or to finance or expand someone's uh, business in some way. Some people help um, finance a person's education with the intent that they're either helping them out on the student loan front or giving them some uh, capital for tuition fees, room or board, books or supplies. And sometimes they make agreements to have some of those monies repaid. Um, Again, doesn't always end well. And thus the nature of our conversation today. So, so when we're talking about all of this stuff, like, so for one thing, it's like you give the cash, maybe it's gone, maybe it's not, whatever. But what happens if you're going to co-sign on somebody's loan? Like what happens to you (laughs) if you're, if instead of, instead of just handing over the cash, what if you are in fact lending your credit, your good name? What are some of those pitfalls? (laughs) Sure. Well, honestly, I feel like co-signing for someone or loaning your credit status, as it were, is actually one of the more risky forms of making a loan. Because obviously, once you put your name on the dotted line for any other obligation as a co-borrower, you're um, individually and jointly responsible for that loan. And so a creditor 
could come after you for the money if the person doesn't pay as agreed. And of course, your credit can take a hit. And so any negative information, as you know, like say a 30-day late payment, for instance, will stay on your credit report for seven years uh, from the date of last activity, from when it last wasn't paid. And so, you know, sometimes family members mend over, you know, that $500 loan uh, or something that didn't get repaid. Um, but those credit dings actually tend to, to linger um, a lot longer. <laughs> Hey, can, so, can, yeah. I stop here and, can I ask yeah. you a question real quick? How many of us, uh, there's four of us on this podcast. <laughs> who who has lent money to family or friends here? Oh, I've definitely done it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Guilty. Okay, so I'm, I'm seeing three hands go up. Aaron, are your hand? Okay, yeah. all, four, all four of our hands are up. So we've all done this before. Okay, now let me ask this question. How many, did it, did it always turn out okay? Or did it, did it ever turn out okay? No, it's the reason why I never did it again. <laughs> what about you two? So for me, it, it turned out okay. I loaned um, small amounts and it usually gets paid back when my um, friends and family pay get it. Um, one of the interesting things for me when Lynette was talking about co-signing is my parents actually co-signed on my first co car loan for me. So my parents actually uh, lent their credit to me so I could get my first car loan, which is really nice. Uh, but they did it because they knew I would make the payments and I always did. And there was no problem there, no problem there at all. And it didn't end up um, causing them a problem. But um, later on, when I was like, uh, you know, what, what can we do for, for, you know, co-signing or something on something else? My mom said, no, this is going to reduce our available credit and we have some big purchases coming up. So I'm sorry, we will not be able to co-sign on a loan for you at this time because, um, it will impact our own ability to get credit. And so I think that's an important thing to think about too. It's not just those dings, it's their ability later on. How about you, Lynette? Did it work out for you when you did that? Oh, the stories I could tell. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I could go on for days. Give us, give us a story, Lynette. Tell us a story. Uh, well, I have a whole bunch of them. Um, so I would say that it's been a mixed bag. Um, but for the most part, it's been positive um, to the extent that the Bank of Lynette has long since been closed up. And I'm not in the lending business anymore. Um, however, I've definitely made some sort of exceptions to the rule, let's say. So I'll tell you a couple stories. Um, uh, and obviously, 100% true story. I hope, I hope my family members are not listening right now. But <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, so this was a bad one, okay? So um, once, you know, this is when I was in college, I loaned um, one of my sisters um, money and it was a, you know, all of us were like, you know, broke college students, you know, starving, t eating top ramen kind of thing. Um, but I had, I was working, I had also received um, some financial aid, et cetera. So my sister um, was in desperate need of some money and it was a fairly large sum. I, I want to say for sure it was over $500. I want to say it was about $1,000 and I'd, I would have to probably like really rack my brains to go back and think. But long story short, um, we had an agreement for me to get repaid and then she and I had an argument <laughs> and, and she literally said, she literally said, of course, this was decades ago and I love my sister and it's like totally water under the bridge and all that. But, um, 
she, you know, I was talking to her on the phone and she was like, you know what? I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Just don't, just don't even talk to me. And she just like hung up the phone in my face. And I was like, I can't believe she just did that. And I call her back and I was like, fine. I was like, okay, if you don't want to talk to me, fine. Don't talk to me, but just give me back, you know, repay me. Talk to me whenever you're ready to repay me the money that I loaned you. And she goes, what money? Oh, no. <laughs> of course, goes, that was not a surprise. Now. I can laugh yeah. about it now. I was like, excuse me? And so, um, again, I'll be honest. I don't know if I ever got any or all of that money back. And I don't, I don't think that I did, you know? Lynette, so, we have to call her right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I have five sisters, so nobody will know like which one it was. <laughs> so, um, so, so that was one that yeah, kind of didn't work out. But I, I will say this on a more recent front um, for something that absolutely did work out and that was intentional. Um, and that obviously goes literally against uh, what I just said a moment ago about loaning your, your credit. So um, for um, strategic reasons, um, my husband and I, we, we told our kids that we want to provide them with what we call a wealth starter kit um, to help them launch into this world in, in the right way. And we've told them, you know, there's a couple of conditions, first of which is be a good student and be a good person, you know. So long story short, we told our kids, if you kind of stay on the straight and narrow, we'll buy you your first house. We'll um, put you through college debt free. We'll buy you a car and make sure that you can like, you know, drive off into the sunset and you don't have to come and live with us or whatever. So um, with my uh, oldest daughter, who is now who is, has, in fact, graduated from college, um, we did buy her her first house when she was a college student at the University of Texas at Austin, and we bought her a condo. She was on the mortgage. We co-signed for the property. We also added her as an authorized user on one of her one of one of our longest standing credit card accounts. Um, we did not give her the card. She never charged or did anything like that. But it was a strategic move to help her to establish credit and to become a homeowner and make that leap from renter to owner. Um, ditto for my son, who is now a senior in college in, in Raleigh at North Carolina State University. Also, when he was in his sophomore year, we bought him a place. We bought him a townhouse. And um, again, did it to help him to establish himself um, financially. Now, honestly, the risk to us was almost, you know, zero um, in that, again, it was a multi-pronged strategy that we were getting in-state tuition by buying property for right. them. So we saved ourselves a ton of money on college and we had roommates that effectively their, the kids had roommates in their townhouse and in their um, condo who lived with them that paid, that covered the mortgage. And mm -hmm. so again, it was a kind of a multi-pronged strategy there, but in effect, we were kind of loaning out our credit. Um, but we did so with a lot of forethought about what that would look like. Now, now let me tell you the other side of that coin, Lynette, you've done a <laughs> flawless job at lending people, lending people money. Um, here's, here's, here's how Stacy lends money. He has a few <laughs> beers and somebody goes, 
<laughs> one of his friends goes, hey, Stacy, would you mind spotting me a few grand? And Stacy goes, oh, of course, sure. my friend. No problem. <laughs> and uh, so I've done this, I'm going to say, 10 times in my life, and I've recovered the money once. Yeah. Um, so I, I've just done a horrible, horrible job at being a lender. Mm. Um, my, my parents did stuff like that for me that you were just describing you've done for your kids. I was a good borrower. Um, I, I've never paid a bill late my whole life. But I was, but I'm a terrible lender. And and, and one of the people I lent to, this was five thousand dollars. I was at a party, and this is two years after I lent the money. Um, at a party, talking to a whole group of people, you know, people stand in a circle, and and he says, uh, "Stacy, I got a new boat, and it's bigger <laughs> than your boat. It's nicer. I've got a bigger boat than you." And I'm like, "I could reach over there and strangle, strangle you to you. death right now. <laughs> you owe me five thousand dollars." I mean, isn't the irony how conveniently they forget? Oh. Yeah, and, you know it's amazing though, and you know, and this is a, a funny story, but the truth is, when somebody owes you money, it really destroys the dynamic of your friendship. Oh, uh, especially, I mean, obviously, if they don't pay it back, I mean, right. because you know, you're because every time they buy anything, they buy an ice cream cone. You're like, oh, geez, oh, it's seventy-five cents. Could have gone back to repaying my debt. It just ruins your relationship, you know. Now, one uh, thing, maybe, I, one thing I will say, Stacey, I, 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 you know, I'll beg to disagree with you respectfully here in a little bit to say that it ruins the relationship. Um, I absolutely think that it changes the dynamics of the relationship. There's no question about that. But I actually have talked to uh, and I've, you know, we've you know, all had our personal experiences with this. We know others who have done it. You guys have obviously done the, the research on the studies that have been done into this as well. Um, I am also an expert for AARP and I do a lot of work with the, the um, 50 and older crowd. Um, parents, you know, who often, and grandparents who often loan money to their kids and grandkids and then see what the outcomes are. So long story short, what I'm trying to say is that I actually have um, come across um, many people who say that um, when it was done with in the right way, where both parties agreed upon what the terms were, knew the conditions, and then where both sides met those conditions, that it actually strengthened their relationship. Oh, I'm sure. That, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. I was, um, was going to say, I think, doesn't it matter more about how it makes you feel in the end when it comes to giving money? I mean, when I was living paycheck to paycheck, I had a friend who had a really good job, but they claimed to me that they lost their wallet and he needed 500 bucks. I was like, yeah, no problem. You, know, you make good money, you know, even though it was going to hurt me, I know I was going to get it back the next week. Well, come next week, I'm like, hey, would you mind giving me that 500 bucks? Oh, no, sorry, I can't do that right now. And asked again later, asked again. And after, eventually, as I kept asking, they started making me feel bad about asking them for the money. <laughs> Go figure. And and that made yeah. me feel like, okay, you're a dirtbag, you know? Uh, and so, but then I noticed, like, if I gave, when I give my card, my old card of my son or give him money or or if I give time to a friend to help them out fixing something, that feels good, you know? So you don't mind it. Um, so I, I don't know if it's, it's it's more about how it makes you feel, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you, you know, by the way, let me do this. We, we've got to take a quick break. But this is a good segue, Aaron, because when we come back, what I want to talk about is how do we structure loans so that we don't end up disappointed or or, or, whether, or maybe we shouldn't give loans at all, whatever. You know, in other words, solutions to the problems that we've been talking about the first half of our show. That's what's coming up on the second half right after this quick message. Okay, guys, we're back. And, and as promised, we're going to talk about 
how, how to solve problems in lending to friends and family, or even if we should. Let, actually, let's go around the horn real quick. Should we, is the, is the Bank of Lynette closed? Like you said that at the beginning as a joke. I mean, are, are you now in a situation, Lynette, where you would not lend money to any friends or family, period, end of story? Um, generally speaking, I don't. Like now, I really don't loan money to family members. What I will do is provide a gift to them. So I will, you know, talk to them about what the situation is and understand what their needs are. And I'd much rather say, listen, I'm giving you this money. Um, this is not a loan. You don't have to repay it. And sometimes people will say, oh, well, I want to do, you know, and, but there's no expectation on my end, absolute whatsoever to, to get it repaid. But for the most part, my family like totally knows me now. They're like, don't even ask her. Don't even ask Lynette because she's going to say no. <laughs> so most of the time, if they come and ask about something, um, it's, it's a no because I, they will tell me the sort of backstory and their own drama and, and kind of what happened or what they did, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I am a strong believer in individual responsibility, and I don't like to promote what I call financially abusive relationships. And unfortunately, that's been a pattern in my family and in many pattern in many families that I know. Financially abusive relationship just means someone that you know, trust and love takes economic advantage of you. And sometimes they don't do it intentionally, but intent doesn't matter. That's the impact. And like I said, it does. It can't change the dynamics of the relationship when you don't get repaid. Of course, it can taint it. Um, so I'd much rather say, nope, not loaning anymore. And, um, even with, um, I had an instance with close, very, very, very close friends recently who are pretty much like family to us. And there was a consideration about giving them loan for, for some matter. And I even brought it up to my husband and said, oh, do you think we should, he was like, he just shot it down like in two seconds flat. He was like, absolutely not. No. And I was like, okay, never mind. Go back to our normal way. I was like, let me just forget about it. You know? So mostly it's, it's, it's no. So, okay. Miranda Marquette, what, what is the, uh, what is the Miranda policy on lending or yeah, lending money to friends or family? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the same way as Lynette, like if I'm going to provide some help, I make it as a gift and say, here is a gift. And occasionally somebody just goes ahead and just pays me back of their own free will. Um, you know, when my sister got divorced, I, I'm never getting that money back. Um, I played her legal bills. I'm never getting that money back, which you is fine. Hope I your mean, spouses don't listen to this podcast, but yeah, but I mean, your spouses, your siblings, I should say. Uh, uh, they don't. So anyway, but, but yeah, so I mean, for me, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, I'm ready to provide some help. Um, and if I do provide you with help, I'm not going to ask you to, um, to pay me back. Okay. What about you, Aaron? Um, simply I will not give money, but I will give time. Okay. Now yeah. I want to be very clear too, to our listeners that I don't expect a bunch of people to show up with a six pack at my house. Okay? <laughs> I want to be very clear. Drunken Stacy does not lend money anymore. Uh, and yeah, and really the reason why, well, I guess like you guys have both alluded to, too. If, if a friend of mine needs, a, in fact, this happened not that long ago. Um, a, a girlfriend of ours, her, her cat became very ill. And, and it cost $3,000 to fix the cat. And she didn't have that kind of money. So we gave her the money with the, you know, saying, we don't expect it back. Because we're not going to let, let this cat die. Uh, and, and you know what she's done? Religiously paid it back. 
but so I guess what I'm saying is that like you guys, if I'm going to give somebody money, I don't, I'm not going to expect to see it back. And if, well, this, it, and this if poses, this poses ahead, a what? question that just popped up in my head. So when people borrow from an institution, you know, why is it this institution puts the fear of God into them to pay this back? But when we give a loan to somebody, we can't. And is there any repercussion if somebody doesn't, if a friend, we lend out money, do we have any legalities to, to pull a great transition zone? also, Aaron, Aaron I was just about brother, to ask Lynette. You are speaking my language. Yeah, so. there you go. So Lynette, <laughs> lead us down this road. What are we going to do? If you do decide to lend somebody money, what do you do? So, so this is, this is one of the things that I um, tell individuals to kind of break the cycle of, again, what I call financially abusive relationships, because I do think it matters like the nature of the relationship you had with a person and how frequently they've kind of come to tap the well. Because honestly, sometimes we'll loan money to people that we know like over and over again, like they constantly put themselves in a bind. They're coming to you with all kind of 11th hour crises or they have you know just a whole range of um, issues that are going on some self-inflicted wounds, some external, whatever. But at the end of the day, sometimes I'll tell people, look, if Chase or Citibank or B of A wouldn't take a risk on them and loan them money, why should you? It's, they've, they've shown that they're not quote unquote credit worthy to the extent that their ability to borrow and be a responsible borrower who repays that obligation has been hampered. And so mm. I do think that you should kind of look at those factors. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, people will be more um, alarmed and, and, and fearful of, you know, seeing a, a creditor, uh, a formal creditor, um, nixing or dinging their credit and, and reporting them to the bureaus than they will be, of course, to an individual because they understand or they have, you know, proper perspective, frankly, to know it's not like we're credit furnishers. We're not supplying data to Equifax, Experian, or TransUnion and, and reporting them. Um, but they should, they should, you know, by all rights, have even higher regard, I think, for a family member or a close friend, a loved one, than they will for a, a third-party institution. Now, let me ask you this, though, would, uh, and, and I've done this, too. Uh, I would download a note a promissory note Absolutely. from Rocket Lawyer or someplace like that and have them sign it. Um, now that does, and I've done this with somebody who, by the way, still owes me money. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> though, it makes the specific, uh, it, it lends a little gravity to the situation. Here's an actual note, which I can use to take you into court and reclaim that money. Uh, and now I'm not going to do that, but they don't know that, you know? So in other words, just makes it a little more serious. But you, would you agree, Lynette, if you are going to lend money, obviously depending on the circumstances, but you, you, there's no problem downloading a note and having people sign it, is there? Absolutely. And I, I 100% would urge people who are going, in fact, to lend for whatever reasons to have a written agreement. And honestly, I don't even think it's so much about the back end of, you know, potentially being able to take them to, to, you know, small claims court or something like that. Hopefully it would never get to that. Um, you know, uh, the gravity of the situation wouldn't go there. Really, it's about level setting and expectations and clarity and communication yeah. about what this entails. Because you would be surprised at how many people say, oh, well, I, I thought you said I could pay you back next year. Yeah. Or, no, yeah. you said next month. Or I, I thought it was no interest. No, I, there is some interest. Or I thought I could just make monthly payments. 
Oh, I thought it was be a lump sum. There's all these different perceptions and interpretations of what kind of just went down in the transaction. So that written note should absolutely specify, is there interest being charged? What is the time frame for the loan to be repaid? What is the frequency with which payments have to be made? Or is there a lump sum involved? What is the recourse? What happens if somebody doesn't repay? So then you start saying, okay, we're treating this as a formal business arrangement. Even though I love you and you're my sister, my cousin, my uncle, my nephew, whatever, we still are going to do this in a responsible manner. And so that we can both respect and appreciate that this is still a financial transaction and hopefully not damage our relationship. But there's absolutely no qualms or no disagreement about what took place if you put it in black and white, because six months down the road, memories get foggy. People say, oh, well, I thought it was, wasn't it $500 that you loaned me? No, it was 800 or whatever, you know? Yeah. So you you yeah. eliminate all of that with a written agreement. Yeah, what legally, got, can you, good. Well, what go legally, can you put in that promissory note? I mean, can you, you, you mentioned interest. I mean, I don't know how you would calculate that in that promissory note, but I'm assuming you could do that. Can you put collateral in there? Can you like say, you know, sure. hey, I want your I want your wedding ring or your car or whatever? You um, can. You, oh, you can put anything you want in the note, and, yeah, and you should. And you what, but essentially, what uh, Lynette said is absolutely true. What it, what it's really doing is saying a how much money it is, b when it's supposed to be paid back, and th and and c what the interest rate is. I mean, if nothing else, you got that, and it's in writing. All and I of think the terms should be laid out and spelled out and that both parties agree to those terms so that when you signed, you know, when you agreed to say, OK, if I don't pay you back, you know, six months from now or a year from now or whatever, then that means that, hey, you know what, uh, that flat screen TV of yours that I've always liked is it's mine now or that, you know, yeah. I don't know, I'm just randomly making up something, but just you get the idea that whatever the recourse is or whatever the two of you agree upon, if that's the case, A, there would never be, you can even say, don't ever ask again. Like there would never be another loan coming forward and we just understand that, you know, which yeah. kind of seems to be a given. Yeah, so, I, I, go, go ahead, Miranda, I'm sorry. So when you talk about the recourse though, um, and I think, you know, what happens when they don't pay you back, I guess now you have to decide how do I want to enforce this? Do I really want to go after them? Do I take them to small claims court? Um, can I report them to the credit bureaus? Like, I mean, I guess once you get to that point, now you have to make that decision, right? Like, am I, I going imagine. to enforce the terms of this? Like, how do we do this? Well, you're probably I gotta not imagine going a lot, to. A lot of times, small claims court is going to cost more than... than <laughs> it than, it actually know. doesn't cost that much. Uh, no? I, I've, I've done it before. It's like, well, it depends on where you live, of course, but the filing fee is like 150 bucks. It's not that much. Uh, but nonetheless, I like I said, the main reason I did it, Lynette said it better than I did just to set out what, what we're doing here. Here's how much it is. Here's when it's supposed to be paid back. Here's the interest rate. I mean, I, I'm not going to take someone to small claims court. It depends on what the situation is. I mean, this is a friend of mine who I know has no money. You know, there's right. no point. And in also you have to court. think about, but there, yes, but there was a point lending and, and also I wouldn't come back to you and they go, Oh, I paid you that. Remember, let me borrow some more money. I paid you back. No, you didn't. Here it is right here. You know, so, you know, having that thing in writing makes sense. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lynette, what were you going to say? Sure. I was just going to say, even if you thought about taking somebody to small claims court over a debt that was not repaid, you have to factor in a whole bunch of things. Obviously, like you said, the filing fee. Okay, fine. But then is your time, stress, aggravation, you know, uh, ability to, <laughs> to, you know, not be with your family, stay away from work, lose time from the job, et cetera. What is the cost of all of that? 
So then you have to think about, yeah, is it really worth it or not? And and, and for most people, the answer is probably going to be no, um, depending on, you know, the, the size of the of the loan, um, of course. But again, I think that ultimately, really, it's about level setting. It's about communicating yes. expectations um, that both parties understand the terms fully and understand how, if you're going to make that kind of a loan, how it's supposed to be repaid and under and under what circumstances. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got three rules here. Uh, I've written about this several times. I've been doing this for 30 years. So I've written this story several times. And, and here's, I pulled this out of one of the things I wrote. Uh, three rules. Rule number one, make a policy of saying no. And, and what that means is decide on a policy, memorize it, and then s- practice saying it and stick to it. Don't lend money to this guy because you had three beers and not that girl over there. You know, so have have a policy, practice that policy. And I've done that before. You know, when I have people coming over, I think might borrow money from me. I practice what I'm going to say. Okay, that's number one. Number two, try to help in other ways. That's something Aaron alluded to. Absolutely. Rather than lending you money, I'm going to help you set up a budget. You know, rather than lending you money, I'm going to tell you, introduce you to friends of mine at Consumer Credit Counseling Service who can help you get out from under this debt. You know, like like that. Yeah, there but you I go. Think, and I think, too, other ways that you can help, like, rather than giving them the money, you can be like, okay, I will pay the utility bill this month. I will buy you some groceries. Here's a gift card to X store where you can buy your own groceries. Just that kind of thing, I think, is also very helpful as well. Where you, And then, like Aaron said, providing that time. Okay, I'm not going to give you money, but I can help you move um, yeah. or whatever. And Stacey, what was your third? What was the third? Oh, my, my third one was one thing we've already covered. If you're going to be treated like a bank, act like a bank. <laughs> Here's what a bank does. A bank has you sign a note, you know? And so th- that's what the third thing was, which is what we discussed in some detail already. If you're going to lend some, lend money to somebody, you get it in writing. Even if it's your mom, even if it's your parents, you can get a free promissory note online. So like I said, if you're going to be treated like a bank, start acting like a bank. And then they might just go to somebody else next time when they need a loan. And can I address one other topic here? We haven't really talked about this because, and I really do think like this kind of cuts to the heart of why it is that people loan money in the first place. So, you know, all of this is about personal finances and the first word is the most important personal, right? Somebody has tugged at your heartstrings. Somebody is emotionally connected or attached to you in some way. Somebody is a friend, um, a loved one, and you care about that person. So obviously you don't want to see them suffering or in, you know, a, a tough jam, but really a lot of us who are loaning money or contemplating doing so We need to also think about our own motivations and about what we think will happen on the other side if we don't step up and act as the savior and come to the rescue, you know, on our on our white horse to to, to kind of save the day. So what I found is that honestly, in some uh, relationships, in some family patterns, and there's dynamics where There's the person who will constantly bail out, you know, everybody who's getting into trouble. And even though it's taxing for them, it's financially draining, it's stressful, et cetera, to some extent, that person kind of likes being the hero. That person is being served in some way by by, by stepping up to the plate, as it were. And in some way, 
they're kind of, they've internalized like, well, at least I'm better off than the rest of them because I don't have to go around loaning or, you know, borrowing money from people. So you, you kind of have to deal with your savior complex. So that's, that's one kind of emotional thing. And then the other side of it is so many of us mistakenly think that if we say no, something bad is going to happen to the relationship and that we're not going to be loved anymore. We're not going to be accepted anymore. They're going to reject us. They're going to be angry with us. They're going to feel mad at us in some way, simply because we didn't give money. And what I always say is that if your relationship with somebody is predicated upon you being willing to supply your cash, your credit, or in some way act as the the ATM machine, you have to question the nature of the relationship and the quality and the substance of that relationship. It's not, it's, it's, it's already gone beyond, you know, just, am I going to give you a loan right now? So again, you think in your mind, oh my God, if I don't, if I don't give them, you know, the money, the repo man is right outside their door right now. They need $400 this moment to stave off, you know, getting their car repossessed. But you know what? If you step back and said, no, I'm sorry, especially for the one that you knew who, like you said, just bought the boat, just did something else, you know, whatever with their money. You'd be shocked at how many times people come up with creative solutions of their own. And so a lot of times we're trying to be this hero and we need to allow people to kind of tough it out a little bit and go through the normal channels that all adults have to do when they stand on their own two feet and resolve problems. Um sometimes without our loans as the form of assistance. Well said, Lynette, and you're absolutely right. And that was me. You know, I did that I, because I, I, made more, I made more money than my peers. And so as I was growing up, my peers would come to me for money. And I th- had this guilt about it, I guess. You know, I wanted everyone to like me. So, yeah. I, so I was everybody's savior. And fortunately for me, I became old and then mean as a snake. <laughs> so, so it doesn't work anymore. Stacy, can I, can I have, can I have $20,000? I want to buy a boat. <laughs> I said, now I became old and mean as a snake, Aaron. <laughs> so now I don't lend anybody money. Okay, now we do, we do have to close. And what a great note to close on, Lynette, looking at your own motivations for being either a borrower or a lender. Um, that's a great way to close. But we are out of time, guys. Unfortunately, we are never, however, out of topic. So dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, well, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And be sure and visit Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to visit Lynette. You can find her at askthemoneycoach.com. That's askthemoneycoach.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you would like to suggest, we would love to hear from you. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquit. I'm Aaron Freeman. And so, thanks so much for being with us today, Lynette. You were awesome. We want you to, to be our guest every week from now until the end of time. <laughs> I'd love to come back anytime. All righty. Thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>